This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. White-tailed deer have thrived as humans have changed the Midwestern landscape, eliminating their natural predators and creating more environments deer love. But too many deer can cause problems, so local governments and communities have come up with different ways to reduce the population. Today, we're going to hear about some of those options for thinning the herd, starting with WVXU senior editor and reporter, Tana Weingartner. Welcome back, Tana. Thanks for having me. Always great to have you on the program. (laughs) Let's start by talking about how many deer were harvested in Ohio during this most recent deer season. So almost 214,000 white-tailed deer were harvested um, or killed. Some people don't like to use the, the hunting terminology of, hunt, of harvested. Um, between During the 2023-2024 deer season, which was September 9th of last year through February 4th of this year. And I read that's the highest number in more than a decade. Explain a little bit more why land management officials say the deer population needs to be reduced. Well, there's just too many of them, (laughs) which is interesting because at the turn of the last century, they were actually extirpated from Ohio. So there were, you know, extinct officially in Ohio. Um, But then they kind of came roaring back. And now there's just so many of them. And as you pointed out, you know, we've encroached on their areas. And so they have fewer places to be. Um, And so their their population can just get out of check. There's no natural predators left for them, really, other than humans. And there's just too many of them. Mm -hmm. Did I answer the question? I got a little lost. (laughs) No, that's great. (laughs) Well, and you, these, these, they can damage forests, right? Oh, right. Yes. So that's a big problem um, because they eat a lot and they eat um, native plants and shrubbery. And there's this concept of the deer browse line, which if you're into hunting or, um, you know, the outdoors, you probably know exactly what I'm talking about. It was a new term to me. But basically, deer are going to eat everything from like their head to the ground. So about a six foot thing. And if we didn't check deer in some way, we'd basically end up with defoliated forest from about six feet down. Uh, It's, you know, especially a problem, say, like in parks and things that are meant to be green. Plus, we always, of course, need our native saplings and plants and things. Sure. And without those natives, then invasive species can come in. And 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 then you've got a honeysuckle problem. (laughs) Nobody likes a honeysuckle problem. That's right. So the ODNR, Ohio Department of Natural Resources Mm -hmm. and Great Parks and other places have these controlled hunting programs. How do those programs work? Right. So just about everyone that I've heard of, you have to have taken a class from the state or whatever state. Every state has some sort of hunting class. You have to get a license. Um, Depending on how it works, you might also need to take a course. For example, at Great Parks, you have to go and basically qualify. You have to prove that you can handle whatever weapon it is that you're intending to shoot uh, to hunt with. And then you're only allowed to hunt with the weapon upon which you qualify for. So if you know, if you show up with a crossbow, you can only use that crossbow. Um, if you buy a new one mid-season, sorry, you have to wait till next year to use it. Um, and then some of them have permits. Excuse me, they all have permits. Some of them have lottery systems to get those permits, so they keep the number down. Um, the state, I don't know if they cap it, but the numbers have been down than they were in like the early aughts. So around 2000, 2000, excuse me, 2008, 2009, uh, permits were that were handed out were much higher number. We're in the 400 some thousand range right now. Okay. 
I, we did get an email about this topic from a listener, Gene in Morning Sun, Ohio. Gene wrote, about 30 years ago, we were having herds of deer, up to 75 individuals at a time, crowd into Houston woods. I asked ODNR to bring in the state botanist to check out the damage to the old growth forest. I'm told he got out of his truck, walked 50 feet into the old woods, turned around and informed the park manager that they were missing dozens of species of plants and the deer needed to be thinned. Shortly after that, they opened up Houston woods to hunting by lottery. The real problem is Division of Wildlife wants a high number of deer as they have funding from the selling of licenses, so they keep the number of deer too high to assure a steady stream of dollars, and there are now deer now deer are prone to disease unheard of when I was a boy. We also lose eight or nine people every year due to deaths from deer car collisions. This can be corrected by opening up those counties where a person dies due to such a car accident to free deer permits and no limit the following year. Otherwise, these needless deaths will continue. So there's a lot in there. But, you know, we talked about some of the uh, damage that overpopulation of deer can do in forests. What about these deer vehicle collisions? Right, and that's that's the other big argument, right? There's just so many deer and we've crowded them out of some of their natural habitat areas. So of course, they don't care. They don't know that they've left the park and they're in your neighborhood or near a highway. And so they just kind of cross and they don't always cross at their designated crossing zones. And so Deer crashes are a big problem, um, a lot of damage, they can be deadly, um, and obviously that's that's not good. Sure. And, you know, we acknowledge, you mentioned this earlier, there are people who uh, argue that uh, against hunting and, mm-hmm. and even this bow hunting that happens in these parks, we'll hear more about that in the next part of our show. So we'll hear about some other alternatives. Mm-hmm. But what has this controlled hunting meant for the deer population in, in great parks of Hamilton County? It's done a lot of um, good stuff for great parks, according to their wildlife management folks. They had a deer browse line problem, especially in Shawnee lookout was an example that um, they gave me. They had just, you know, you'd walk in and they had just sort of decimated everything. And at one point in the 1990s, the they, you know, they counted up all the deer essentially, and they estimated they had 192 deer per square mile, which is just you know, the deer density there was just, you know, off the charts. Um, far too many, they said. So they got it down in 2023. They estimated it was about 40 deer per square mile at Shawnee. They want it to be more like 20 deer per square mile. That means that there's enough resources for those deer and, um, you know, the parks are still safe because that is a problem, right? If we, if the deer population just were continually unchecked, then you're going to lead to starvation because they'll have eaten everything. They'll have nothing for them to eat. And that's going to lead to disease and other issues. There's already a problem with chronic wasting disease and the, um, the zombie disease, the epizoic hermagic disease. So, uh, so it does keep controlling the population does help control those problems as well. Yeah. Keeps the population that's there healthier. Right. Um, What, is there any concern that hunters might hit people in the parks accidentally? These are, this is not, they aren't using guns in these parks as I understand it. Is it only Um, bow hunting or is there any concern? I don't. About I that? don't want to swear to that because different parks might have different rules. Okay. Um, okay. But there. So the the hunting season is limited to you can only use guns during certain weeks gotcha. like in December. Okay. So it's a much smaller season. Mm-hmm. Um, but there are rules. For example, at great parks, you have you get licensed for one area. You're only allowed to hunt in your area. And um, those areas are all away from public spaces. And you have to, for example, you can't shoot toward. A public space. You can't shoot um, toward where a trail might be. You can only shoot into 
your designated area, if that makes sense. So your back would need to be toward the public, anywhere where a public person might be. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, and you have to shoot in. Okay. Trying to keep people safe, make sure yeah. there's plenty of distance between those weapons and the humans. Yes. Okay. There's something like a, there is a barrier also between where those lines are and where public lines are. Okay. Well, I have been talking with WVXU senior editor and reporter, Tana Weingartner. Thank you so much for your time today, Tana. Thank you. Happy Valentine's Day, Lucy. Oh, same to you, Tana. (laughs) Thank you. Up next, we'll hear about a different approach being used in Cincinnati's Clifton neighborhood. This is Cincinnati Edition. This is Cincinnati Edition on 91.7 WVXU. I'm Lucy May. We just talked about controlled hunting as one way to reduce the population of white-tailed deer, but it's not the only way. Points North, a podcast about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Great Lakes from Interlock and Public Radio, featured a program in Clifton that takes a different approach. Take a listen. It's just after 11 p.m. in Clifton, a neighborhood in Cincinnati, Ohio. Randy Youngy is in a deer blind in the woods, waiting. He's been in the cold for hours, hoping a deer will show up. Then, at 11.11, a doe wanders over, and Randy takes his shot. He texts a group of us, and we start hiking up to him. We're walking through the woods, up a big hill, and through a bunch of dry honeysuckle. There's a big flashlight, and that's where the deer is. Randy's standing next to the doe, holding a flashlight. She's lying on her side. Someone slides a blindfold over her eyes. Lots of people. The guys shimmy her onto a makeshift stretcher, and then... They carry her back down the hill. And load her into the back of a pickup truck. I'm just going to rotate. You you guys rotate. Then we drive off. But we're not going to a processor or a taxidermist. Because Randy shot the deer with a tranquilizer dart. And this doe... She's still very much alive. We're heading to an operating room. When we get there, they'll flip the deer over, make a small incision, and remove her ovaries. This is Points North, a podcast about the land, water, and inhabitants of the Great Lakes. I'm Ellie Katz, in for Dan Wanshera. Across a lot of our region, there's just too many deer, and people have different ideas about how to solve that problem. Today, we look at one unique fix. Yeah, I really do well at cocktail parties, (laughs) you know? Like, I'm the deer ovary lady. (laughs) This is Lori Briggs. One day in 2014, Lori got a call from her friend Chris Lottman. And Chris says, did you hear about the Clifton Town meeting tonight? Clifton is the Cincinnati neighborhood where Lori and Chris live. It's got these big, beautiful rolling hills and wooded city parks, But the deer there were getting out of control. So the parks board proposed a pretty standard solution, a bow hunt. Chris told Lori, we should go to this meeting. And I'm like, yeah, I'm in. So there's Chris and I. We know 
absolutely nothing. Have never thought about dear management in any way. But they showed up to the meeting anyway. And what was happening in Clifton is happening all over the Midwest. There are way too many white-tailed deer, especially in urban suburban areas, where we've killed off their natural predators and planted a lot of nice food for them to eat. All these deer, they prevent the forest from regrowing. They eat up native wildflowers and make room for invasive plants. They cause car accidents, destroy people's yards, and risk the spread of disease. So towns and cities across the region often decide to cull the deer. But Lori and Chris were not on board with that. They're urban deer, so they're used to people. They're in our yards all the time, and they just feel like our neighbors. And, you know, the idea of them being hunted, it felt like if I didn't try to come up with another solution, I was letting my neighbors down. So they asked for a brief pause on the hunting to research deer control options that didn't involve killing. But the answer was... Was very polite, but very firmly, no. I felt a little bit scared, like this is going to happen and I'm going to hate seeing my neighborhood deer killed and there's nothing I can do about it. But her friend Chris had other ideas. So the two of them started frantically researching. They're making phone calls, Googling, emailing. They're reading about culling, about deer immunocontraceptives, birth control shots, deer vasectomies, deer field surgery. And then, then they found Tony. How do people react when you explain what you do if you're at, you know, a dinner party or something? Uh, there's always intrigue. And then it kind of depends on the audience, right? That's Tony Nicola. He's a wildlife biologist and the CEO of White Buffalo Incorporated. Vicky, my wife, always reminds me that uh, she was tells people that I, I was shooting monkeys, and um, and and some people look at you like, "What the hell does this guy do?" Tony and his colleagues at White Buffalo travel around the world controlling species that have gotten a little out of control. Sometimes it's an invasive monkey colony, but mostly it's animals like pigs, goats, elk, and deer. With deer, they use two main methods to reduce the population. Lethal control, like sharpshooting, or fertility control. Tony's been doing this since the early 90s. For a while, he'd been testing out what are basically birth control vaccines for deer. But they weren't really practical, because they required multiple injections. Lori and Chris got in touch with him around 2014. By then, we had already done several field projects where we had transitioned from what was supposed to be cutting-edge vaccine-based fertility control research into what was originally discussed as being absolutely insane, which was performing surgeries on wild animals. So we started researching the best methods for doing ovariectomies. That was the start of this notion, and we were like, this isn't so bad, right? We can do these procedures in 10 or 15 minutes. 
Uh, the survival rates were, were pretty amazing. The whole ovariectomy procedure is less complicated than spaying a cat or dog. You're just taking out the ovaries, not the entire reproductive tract. And in dense urban areas where shooting isn't allowed or isn't ideal, this surgical sterilization can be a good option. Lori and her friend were interested, and they decided to convince the neighborhood. It's 11.50 p.m. The doe is on a gurney at a spay and neuter clinic for cats and dogs. Vet tech Sarah Long pulls out an electric razor and starts prepping for surgery. Shave a spot for the catheter, shave where they were hit by the dart, shave their belly for surgery. Every timestamp of every movement is documented for their records. Vital signs are too. 99.3 for her temperature. Okay, need gloves, sizing. 99.3. At 12.12 a.m. Incision. Okay, why don't you guys give me a time on that, please? Uh, 0.012. 0.012? <laughs> yep. Randy Youngy, a vet from the Columbus Zoo, and also the same person who darted the deer, makes a small cut into her shaved belly. So sort of the ram's horn uterus, I just reach in, get under it, and lift up. Follow one horn out. And there's the ovary. Within five minutes, Randy takes out both ovaries, which look like shriveled grapes. The vet tech uses a machine to seal the ovarian arteries. Yep. All right. At 12.30, Randy sews up her belly. That's stitch. That's stitch. And staples it closed. Back in the fall of 2014, Lori and her friend Chris brought all their research to another town meeting, determined to stop the bow hunt. Jeff McElravey was not thrilled about this. You know, we see roadkill all the time like with, you know, skunks and possums and things like that. What do you think about deer is different for people? Bambi. Jeff has lived in Clifton since the 60s. He started hunting rabbits and squirrels as a kid. I thought that uh, the idea of bow hunting, the thin the herd, was a great idea. When the fall town meeting rolled around, hunters were ready to go. So a lot of people have already gone through and had already set up their tree stands. And the park board was talking about stopping the hunt. And I thought that was terribly unfair. If you're going to do that, do it next year. But there were sufficient people in the neighborhood that did not want to have the possibility of a, a dead deer in their yard and other people that just didn't like the idea of hunting, period. The park board decided to call off the bow hunt in Clifton. And one alternative, deer ovariectomies, seemed like the most viable option. I mean, did any of your your other bow hunter friends, did they think it was silly at all? Well, to some degree, yeah. I mean, as far as cost, all the effort that goes through doing it in that manner, you got a lot of manpower that's involved with it. But if, you, if you're not going to hunt, something has to be done. The estimated cost for that first year was $40,000, about $1,000 a deer. 
Lori and the team got a $20,000 grant from the U.S. Humane Society, and then the rest was up to them. They needed to figure out all the details, the money, the manpower, the permits from the DNR. Lori was writing grants left and right. It really was a second job. It, it kind of took over my life. All of us on the leadership team put in, you know, $1,000 or $2,000 of our own money to, you know, get it started. And then the rest, we went door to door that summer. We knocked on every door in the community. They raised the money and sterilized 41 does that first winter. The project's been going for nine years now. Lori and a dedicated team raise the money each year, and dozens of people volunteer. They sterilized deer number 96 while I was there, and Clifton's deer population has gone down by about 40%, which they consider a success. Plus, the whole thing costs a lot less now, partially because there's only a handful of does to target each year. It's not a solution that works everywhere, though. You've got to have roads to access the woods, and people willing to pay. But places like Ann Arbor, Michigan, Cleveland, Ohio, and suburban Chicago have run similar programs. Still, why go to all that trouble? It's cheaper and easier to hunt or hire sharpshooters. You can avoid all the freezing cold nights, all the fundraising, all the grunt work. And is this really better for the deer? I mean, we'll never know. I guess we'll never know. I'm just trying to... I feel like this is the most compassionate thing we could do, and I'm in favor of adding compassion to the world when I can. But that doesn't mean that we've got it exactly right. Lori told me about their very first year darting deer. There were so many does to sterilize, and they were operating out of this makeshift surgical center. There's this deer on the table, and... I think it was Vicki DiNicola who just like had her hand resting on the fur and it just moved me so much. And it felt, not to be weird, but almost the weight of it felt sacred in a way. Increasingly, as I experienced this, and I think I experienced it for the first time then, you can't do this without feeling a lot of humility because it's weighty. This is a wild animal who I care enough about them to go to all this trouble, but I'm also altering their future and doing so because I think it's best, but without consent and possibly endangering them if something goes wrong. I don't know if they'd thank me for that because they're spared bow hunting or if they'd say, why didn't you just leave us alone? It's almost 1 a.m. 
We're in the middle of a soccer field near where the deer was darted. She's lying on a tarp, waiting for the reversal drug to kick in. Swallowing and blinking now. Randy, the vet, is cradling her head, rubbing her fur. Then, all of a sudden, she's on her feet. At 102, she gets her balance on the tarp and slowly walks off towards the woods, less than two hours after she was tranquilized. In a few days, the fur on her belly will start growing back. In a few weeks, the incision will heal and the staples will fall out. She'll live pretty much the same life as before. She just won't be able to reproduce. Jeff McElravey, the hunter, he has this reverence for the deer. Oh, they're gorgeous. They're gorgeous. You know, you'd watch the doe move around and feed and hop around, and I like seeing them move through the woods. Do you think we owe wildlife anything? Do we owe deer anything? I think we owe them the opportunity to have their space as much as we can and to live their life cycles as best we can. Uh, When they start overpopulating, which they can do, then we have to do things to to rein them in. How you get there, I really don't care. I have a natural bent to the hunting, but the uh, sterilization, that's fine. But uh, they're put here for a reason. They deserve to have their space too, along with the rabbits and the squirrels and all the rest. Like Lori said, I think most people are in favor of adding a little compassion to the world when they can. We're all just trying to figure out how. episode was written and produced by me, Ellie Katz. It was edited by Morgan Springer. Additional editing by Ed Ronco and Peter Payette. Music by Blue Dot Sessions. Special thanks to Beth Whalen, Bob Rack, and Garrett Parsons. If you like Points North, do us a favor and rate and review the show wherever you listen to podcasts. Points North is a production of Interlochen Public Radio. Thanks to Interlochen Public Radio for use of that podcast. Up next, we'll hear what experts say monogamous couples could learn from people with multiple partners. This is Cincinnati Edition.